0: Hello everyone, my name is Vincent Aiello. I'm the founder and host of the Fighter Pilot Podcast, the show that explores the fascinating world of air combat, the aircraft, the weapon systems, and as we like to say, most importantly, the people. Well, some of those people do different things, and one of them is on the phone with us today. It is retired United States Navy Commander Guy Snodgrass. Bus, how you doing, buddy?
1: Good, Joe. Thanks for having me.
0: You're welcome. Well, gee, let's see what's going on in your world. You're only all over the news and everywhere else these days. <laughs> <laughs> you're, uh, you're a busy guy.
1: Yeah. You know, like you said, I think you and I had uh, obviously kept in touch since our days at Top Gun together. And then uh, recently, I put out a book of sharing my experiences of what it was like to, to learn at the highest levels of government inside the Department of Defense, particularly in the Pentagon, uh, alongside Secretary Mattis. And then, as I think you alluded to, just yesterday, someone had fingered me as the anonymous author of this book that just was recently released, which, of course, it's not me. Uh, spoiler alert. But, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's been busy.
0: Oh, man. Well, I can't imagine what it's like to write one book, let alone two, which is probably what you would have been doing if it was. So anyway, yeah, you bet. We uh, went back in time. Let's see. You were at Top Gun after me, but I think we used to come up there a lot when I was at the weapons school to grab our new graduates. And then we were in Japan together. And uh, here you are now on the outside and you've got a book and that's what we're here to talk about today. But that being said, dude, you're going to have to come back and talk to us sometime here on the show about your former SME area. What were you again?
1: So I was the subject matter expert for air-to-air mission planning, and so that's where you oh. take the, uh, what your threat nations are capable of, what kind of fighters they have, and then how do you now train the Navy and Marine Corps uh, fighters, the air crew, uh, and, and how to actually win in that kind of aerial combat. But yeah, I'd love to come back and talk about it.
0: For sure. And that will be, I think, a Black Diamond episode, as we like to call it, because of the technical parts of it. And of course, we have to protect all the numbers and all that, but that's all right. Anyway, I had a chance to read your book. I really enjoyed it. And because I never did a Pentagon job and I found it to be a very apolitical look at a world right now that is very politicized. But what uh, what motivated you to write the book in the first place?
1: Well, I think two things. One is there's no doubt in anybody's mind that we're living in very, very interesting times. And there's a lot of misinformation running around. So you've got people on the left, people on the right side of of the aisle who are telling you what they want you to believe, but there's very little fact coming out. Uh, There's very little perspective on the major decisions that were made and how they were made uh, so that... All Americans can basically read this for themselves and determine uh, how they feel about what's really going on behind closed doors. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, the second element, I would say, is largely uh, what I end the book with, which is during my time as a Navy fighter pilot, you realize that the most important part of any flight was the debrief. Yes, the brief is important. Mm-hmm. The flight itself, you have to execute when required. But the debrief where you where you get all the lessons learned that help you improve for the next go around. And that's why I wanted to write this book. There's going to be people, men and women, following in my footsteps into these kinds of jobs and also working in this administration so they can be better armed with moving forward.
0: No doubt. And I'm mindful of the expression, you can take the animal out of the jungle, but you can't take the jungle out of the animal. I mean, when you read your book, there's different references to aviation. And I know you adapted the life that you lived prior to that, you know, the ability to get things done, stick to a schedule, work under pressure, all these things that a fighter pilot is able to do. And you did that. But I really thought it was interesting because you talked about the difference, for example, of a couple of the characters that you name in the book. And by character, I just mean, you know, people whose names I don't Want to necessarily say, but they're real people. <laughs> but one being, you know, a steady cargo plane, kind of just lumbering and getting the job done. The other one being a little more flighty, like a uh, fighter aircraft, I should say. You talk about the graveyard spiral. You make basically a lot of references to aviation.
1: Well, I do. And like you said, I think there's something I learned back in 2014. I'd written about talent management and retention inside of the U.S. Navy in particular. And as you do that, you kind of find things that work and things that don't. And as you might expect, mm-hmm. just like with you and your podcast, I mean, you've made it exciting for for tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of Americans to engage with the nature of being a fighter pilot, and you make it very vivid and real for them. And so I wanted to do the same thing in this book. I could have easily written just a two-year historic novel that would be pretty cut and dry, but you want to bring the reader into that experience so they feel like they're really there. And one of the ways you do that successfully is
0: through editing. Well, and you do a good job of that because we get to follow your day by day, you know, experiences there. Like you said, and man, that must have been tough on the family. Deployments are hard enough, and I'm sure yours have lived through several. But that was almost like a year and a half deployment, probably being there most hours of the day, huh?
1: Well, it was, and like you said, the the downside is when you're like in my case, I was stationed twice in Japan. When you're gone for three, four, six months at a time. Uh, The family knows that you're just simply gone. It's really tough, actually, when you're here in the U.S., but you're just simply not around. So you'll see the kids and and Sarah, in my case, on the weekends. Uh, But look, I mean, it was a great experience. I learned a lot from it. That's why I wanted to share those lessons with the readers Mm -hmm. uh, and, and grew a lot from the experience as well.
0: Well, and you were surrounded by people of all walks, uh, different capabilities of leadership and styles. And so I'm sure you learned a lot as well, just being immersed in that all day long.
1: Well, you're right. And that's, as you and I both have experienced, that's one of the best parts about being in the military, about government service. You get to interact with people from all over America, men and women, all race, genders, et cetera. And everyone brings something to that fight. And so it's great to see everyone pitch in for success, especially uh, where I was in the Pentagon.
0: No doubt. Well, even before yesterday's hubbub, you had made the rounds about this book. How has it been received?
1: You know, I would say near universally positive. In all honesty, there's a core group of very senior leaders who I think kind of frown on somebody wanting to share their experiences. I think there's this long running perspective that only the senior leader has the ability to tell their story. And personally, I disagree with that. I think that there's something to be learned from a lot of individuals who have proximity to power, who actually have to do a lot of the work behind the scenes to make their boss a success. So you learn a lot from that. The ability to share that, I think, is, is uh, very important. And there's one thing, you know, there's this difference, there's this nuance that's hard, I think, for people to uh, maybe grasp just when you see the news headline. But certainly, when you work for that individual, and in our cases, when you wore the cloth of your country as an active duty military member, you have an obligation to show loyalty to your boss, to be very circumspect with what you're seeing behind closed doors. But once you've left uniform, once you are looking back and you realize you have some lessons that you can share, um, I think that it's important that you take that opportunity, that you dare to read, think, write and publish so that others can learn from your experience. No doubt.
0: All right, well, the book is called Holding the Line Inside Trump's Pentagon with Secretary Mattis. And it is by our friend Guy Snodgrass, call sign bus. Bus, we're gonna make a link to this on our shop page on the website. And uh, in case people don't find it there, where else can they find the book?
1: Yeah, so if you go to the Penguin Random House website, you can find it there. I think Target, Walmart, uh, like you mentioned, Amazon, a lot of places have the book listed as an online resource. And I know a lot of people have actually requested a signed copy. Uh, So if you go to a a bookstore here in D.C., they've got an online site called Politics and Prose, and you can order a signed copy directly from them.
0: Oh, very cool. All right. And people who want to follow you and your upward trend seems like you're all over the place. And we hope for more and better things from you. Where can they follow you on social media or otherwise?
1: Yeah, I think the easiest one, of course, everyone likes to go to the Twitter marketplace. So I'm at Mm Guy Snodgrass there. And then, of course, LinkedIn as well is another good one. Uh, to
0: follow me awesome well bus thanks very much for coming on today best of luck with you and your book and i'm gonna hold you to it buddy we're gonna bring you back for air-to-air mission planning
1: jello that sounds great i'm looking forward to it all right man take care all right thanks